another MCU movie, and yet another genre. For the first time in the MCU, we have a coming-of-age tale. This is John Hughes meets Tony Stark, a genuine teenage comedy based around a kid who has, you know, superpowers. It's the best version of Spider-Man we've seen on screen. We see him grow up, for really the first time. Cinematically, that part's always been skipped. But the comics were all about his failed love, his struggles in school, his inferiority complex with other superheroes. That last part is a huge piece of Spider-Man that every other movie has been forced to ignore. The best part of Spider-Man was that he wasn't the only hero. There were others who were bigger, better, and stronger than him. He wasn't the best, but he was the most pure. He's so pure he can't even lift Mjolnir because he refuses to kill. While Peter's coming-of-age tale is the main story, how about Tony's growth? We can bash him for being hypocritical when it comes to mentoring Peter, but isn't that kind of the point? He wants his protege to be better? Homecoming gave us a massively low-stakes movie with deep, deep emotional draw, easily the most exciting ground-level project we've seen in the MCU. But at the end of the day, it wasn't all that important to the franchise. Welcome back to the Wrong Opinion MCU Rewatch. Jake Clark. We got Josh here today. So, hey, Josh. Hey, Josh. Hey, Josh. Uh, we're talking about Spider-Man Homecoming. What do you think about Spider-Man Homecoming, Josh? Oh, I love this movie so much. I love this movie. I think it has one of the coolest villains in the entire MCU. Oh, yeah. And I just... I, like... Like when I was answering the questions, you know, trying to find bad things to say about it, there was really wasn't much. Yeah, this is a like if you're talking about like most rewatchable movies, this one's up there, which is funny because I think the latest Spider-Man is like the least rewatchable, but is the biggest blockbuster. But this Spider-Man is it's got like so much heart in it, and the bad guy is amazing. And that twist, I we're gonna talk about that twist later, but I think that's my favorite twist in all the MCU. Um, actually, you know what? Let's talk about it right now. Let's let's rank the coolest twists that we've ever seen in the mcu so this one obviously the huge one because we don't know that adrian tombs aka the vulture is liz's dad neither does spider-man and we slowly see we slowly see tombs figure it out and it's terrifying and then he's he's like scary and dad at the same time i think if you're talking about like biggest twists in the mcu i i'm gonna name some but i think this is the biggest one do you think there's another one that's better yeah, I got to go back to my old faithful, the Eternals twist where, oh, yeah, I think that that's the best one where uh, obviously Ajax is, was killed and we think that it was because of one of the uh, bad guys, but it ends up being from Icarus himself. I, I don't know. It's up there. I mean, Spider-Man's up there in, in terms of just like cinematic, just just watching it because like you said, it is kind of creepy and scary watching the movie. Yeah. But, but. Yeah, I think there's different kinds of twists. There's bad guys who are like, you think they're good, and then they're revealed to be bad. And like, I think Icarus is one of those, and then uh, Robert Redford and and Winter Soldier and a couple others. And then you got twists that like, if you know comics at all, you know it's coming. And like, you know, Mysterio. Nobody actually thought he was going to be a good guy in that. Same thing with like the Cree. And then there's twists like the Mandarin, which is more just funny than anything, just like a, a funny take on an old comic. <laughs> story 
But I think I think this one's way better than Icarus, not just because it's a better movie and I love that movie too. I think you just don't see it coming. I think that's obviously the, the crux of a good twist. I don't think anybody saw this coming, you know? Yeah, that's true. I wish I could go back in time and watch it for the first time and really yeah. tell you how I feel about the twist. Because obviously I knew it was coming, so I didn't really like, you know what I mean? But, yeah, even this yeah. time though, like I like, I was kind of working and kind of like typing stuff as I was watching it. And I had to stop for that entire like eight minute scene. Cause I, it, you just can't take your eyes off it the whole time, you know? So not only was yeah. it an awesome twist, but it was so well executed. Yeah. It was part of me wonders like, like why would the vulture, you know, like the only thing he knows about Spider-Man is that he was, wasn't at Liz's party and he's got, or the only thing he knows about Spider-Man, is he's got a high pitched voice. Yeah. And he's a small dude. <laughs> and the only thing he knows about Par- Peter Parker is he kind of fits that. Yeah. And he wasn't at Liz's party. So and why... the, the DC thing too. Yeah, true. True. But why would he, the first thing that he puts together is that this random 15 year old dude is some superhero. Like, the yeah, thing... he took a big swing and he, he hit. So, I mean, he didn't, cause if I were Peter Parker, I would have just played like, what are you talking about for a little bit longer, you know? Yeah. But, like, but, his first instinct is not to question him more. Like, he just pulled well, he out did, a gun. He did a little bit. He questioned him a little bit. He was like, oh, so we're, like, trying to, like, be subtle a little bit. Like, what, what were you doing when Spider-Man came to save you? He's like, oh, I wasn't there. He's like, no, oh, I knew you weren't, you know? <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, cinematically, it was awesome. I think oh, the yeah. way they did it was awesome. But it's, like, realistically, like, nobody probably would have thought of that. First, <laughs> I think, first I think he might have thought of it. But he would just like shut it down immediately, be like, I'm no, I'm paranoid. It's a 15 year old, you know, he's not Spider Man. Yeah. And that's, I think, I'm going to talk about obviously where this ranks later, but just that scene makes it really hard to rank this one because it, it really makes this movie a lot better. Well, let's do some awards. What's your first award of the night? All right. Well, I'm going to go with the I Am Iron Man award for best line. Okay. Um, and I think, yeah, first best single line. And my favorite line in this whole movie is that's not Spider-Man. That's Ned in a red shirt. Oh, that's, that's, that, <laughs> that is my so favorite. funny. That is, every single time I see, I hear that line. I just bust out laughing. <laughs> I like so having, funny. I like having different guests on here because everybody has like different, you know, types of lines that they always pick. Like you always pick like, not just the funniest line, but like the most memorable funny line. Like, uh, oh, shoot. What was the one in Iron Man 2? Oh, you can always uh, count on me to pleasure myself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one, though. I, I like picking the one that, like, most encapsulates, like, the hero or the movie in general. And I think that one is Tony saying, if you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. It's like the perfect oh, yeah. hero line, right? Yeah, and that's a good one. It, it applies to Tony as well, which is, which is awesome, uh, which is what I talked about up top, that, like, this movie isn't just a coming of age for Spider-Man. It's like a the development movie for tony too yeah um, yeah and then and this isn't a single line but the monologue tombs's monologue about how he's you know eating their scraps the, the rich people they don't care about him that was really good it kind of became like a like a mantra for anti-rich mcu fans i'm sure we'll talk about him more but i think everything that he did was good so i would agree with that you think everything tombs did was good or everything uh michael keaton did was good Michael Keaton. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's good. Uh, although it's kind of funny. Um, you never really see 
tombs do anything bad like you know selling like you know arms you like not an awesome thing but he never hurts anybody right except for peter yeah all the yeah. all the damage that comes is peter trying to stop him exactly that's why i love him as a like that's just why i love this villain so much is because he just like he's a low-level villain villain like he's not avengers pay grade like tony said you know so it's a different kind of movie yeah. but he's like he's li- all he's driven by is trying to provide for his family and he's just gonna do whatever it takes to do so and obviously he takes that to extreme measures yeah I get- but he wasn't like he wasn't like necessarily bad at heart you know what i mean yeah, I, I kind of get Walter White vibes from him, though. If you haven't seen Breaking Bad, like in, in the, I don't want to spoil it, but I don't think it will. But later, like late in the show, he says, I didn't do it for my family. When that was like his whole thing, like he was selling meth to help his family. He's like, I did it because I enjoyed it and I felt it felt powerful. I think that's kind of Toombs' thing, too. Like he just wants to wants that power of, of being like a super villain, but without doing anything yeah. terribly bad. So, I, you know, you could say the, the whole family thing, but I think there's a little more to it than that. Which I think makes it more interesting too. That whole psyche, the yeah, white but, psyche. Well, well, I think that that developed in him over time. But we oh, saw yeah. origin. We saw originally he was a normal guy just salvaging the city, right? And then yeah. that just turned into he just kept on doing that because he was making him money and he's providing for his family. Didn't and know it just what else felt to do. good to be like a powerful bad guy that nobody cared about enough to stop, but nobody else, nobody who cared enough could stop him. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I agree that I just, I, every time too, I talk about my favorite MCU bad guys, I leave him out, but he's up there, right? Oh yeah. He's, he's probably top five for me. Uh, I'm going to pick, I'm just going to go one down the Taika Waititi award for the funniest moment. Um, I've got, ooh, I've got three, um, but this is a really funny movie in general, partly because like the stakes were so low. It was like allowed to be funny because you know, that's a problem sometimes like guardians of the galaxy too. When the stakes are too high and they try to be funny, then it just like gets in the way. But the stakes were low, so they could you know focus on being funny. And then also though, as soon as the stakes were raised, like in that final fight scene, there was no humor because that you want to focus on the drama, which it, that was really really well done. Um, but the whole I thought this was the anti gravity gun. That line, that scene, <laughs> that killed me because a lot of movies have this like this bad guy where he's like kind of a bad guy, but like I was saying, he doesn't hurt anybody. And you kind of understand his um, where he's coming from, like you know Killmonger, like you, you see where Killmonger's coming from, and then he kills his girlfriend, you know. So it's like, oh yeah, so he's a bad guy. We don't want the audience to like be too attached to his his argument there. Um, and then this kind of like flips the trope on his head because you think it's supposed to be that moment of him like, oh yeah, okay, so he's a ruthless ruthless murderer. I'm no longer on his side, but it was an accident, which made it like all that much more funny, you know. Yeah. And then the scene when they're in gym class. And Ned blurts out, Peter knows Spider-Man. That was so <laughs> cringy. That was like, you know, office vibe funny. And that is just so <laughs> fringy. You can't help but laugh, you know? Like that one. Yeah, like- um, and then, of course, the big one. I'm looking at porn. <laughs> That's the number one. Yeah. I, that, I would say that definitely is the number one. But I didn't put it as my number one because... I knew it was the number one. I think I, think, <laughs> I almost didn't say it too because I thought you would say it. I no, I just thought that the I forget his his name, but the teacher, the decathlon teacher. Oh his entire, yeah, his entire existence I think is the funniest thing. I just every time he's on screen, I just can't help but laugh. Yeah, In this movie, anyways, it's just so funny. The second one, he's even better, honestly. 
Do you remember him also in, uh, I talked about this with Maisie in 2008, Incredible Hulk. Do you remember him in that? No. He was like a grad student or something at the university who Bruce Banner bribes with pizza. Really? Yeah, it was the, it's the same actor. It's not like officially the same character, but they've said that like, yeah, let's go. We'll make that be the same character. Because it kind of makes sense, oh. right? He's like at grad school and then he's teaching at a, at a what do you call it? Magnet school as yeah. a teacher. Uh, any other funny moments? Well, I don't know. Like I just said, his entire existence. But oh yeah. The thing that made me the thing that made me think of that specifically was the scene where they're interviewing him, and he's like, "I can't, I can't lose a student, not again." And it just slowly <laughs> zooms in on his face. Was yeah, that's so that was funny. good. You gotta watch. Um, this is uh, I'm not gonna cut this out, but the show Freaks and Geeks. It's like nine episodes. It's like a cult classic that got canceled, but he's one of the. Not like a star, but he's like one of the secondary characters and he's really funny in it. He's like a kid. Um, but that's just whatever. Any other Taika YTT awards? Nope. All right. You got next pick. I'm just going to keep on going down the list. I'm going to okay. go the Hawkeye Award for most unexpectedly inspiring moment. Yeah. And I don't know if it's necessarily inspiring or heartwarming or both, but I thought uh, that that moment was when um, Tony was talking to Peter about kind of how annoying he's been and how oh, I think yeah. it was when I think it was when Tony was ripping into him and yeah. Tony just like quickly mentioned something about Peter's churros and I just thought like that linked back to where Peter was seemingly getting ignored ignored by Happy and Tony and he mentioned some but something about how his old lady gave him a churro I just thought that was cool because that just showed that even though Tony, you know, puts on a, a face of being that, you know, stonewall character with no emotion, he clearly cared about Peter. He clearly was listening to him and keeping tabs on him and even more so than, than we thought. Yeah. I love that. That's, I mean, in terms of heartwarming, inspiring, that's, that's a big moment. I put for just straight up inspiring. I mean, I, I said unexpectedly inspiring, but this part was definitely expected. But the part where Spider-Man finds the strength to lift the collapsed building. Because he's like screaming and wailing and crying. And then it's just like somber and quiet. Kind of like the same, a similar scene in, in the next movie that I don't want to spoil. But there's like nobody help. He can't, he's just not strong enough. And then he just, he just finds it, you know? He find he realizes how powerful he is. Which is why this is an awesome coming of age movie. Because he's a superhero finding his strength. That's that's the superhero version of, of coming of age, right? And uh, yeah. it's pulled. Have you seen the the comic that it's pulled straight from? No. Okay, it's uh, Amazing Spider-Man number thirty-three. But that moment pulled straight from the comics, and that's one of the coolest early Spider-Man moments. That was in nineteen probably sixty-three at the latest, and to see it in in a movie was really really cool. And yeah, I. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say I love that moment in particular because that, for me anyways, that like kind of solidified how good Tom Holland is going to be as Spider-Man. Oh yeah. Right there. That was that scene. Like it was just, it seemed like he was being 100% real. Like some of the best acting I think I've seen in an MCU movie in that. Scene. Yeah. I think that's definitely his biggest moment acting. I thought he's had, a, he's a very good actor. I think we forget about that, but he's a very good actor. Uh, that's something that we forget about or that I forget anyways, about Tom Holland a lot is he's a really good actor. And that's just kind of what made me think of that when I was watching that particular scene. I'm like, holy cow, this guy's good. And yeah. then the rest of the movie, I'm like, like I was trying to think of a, a thing that I've seen, something that I've seen from him that I don't like. 
or I think he did a bad job and I just couldn't because he's just really good. Yeah, I think that's kind of an issue sometimes with guys who are pretty much made by one single role is that you they're so enveloped in the role. It's just like, oh, yeah, it's Spider-Man. You don't think about how good an actor he's being as it because he is it. And then any other movie you see him in, you still don't see Tom Holland. So he, he's kind of past that. It, that's what actually exactly what uh, Quentin Tarantino said about Marvel movies that he doesn't like is that there's no more star. It's just the character. And that's kind of, I think, hurt some of their careers, but it also makes them a lot of money. So they're doing fine. Yeah. Um, but also, I think it works specifically well for him because like you just you see Tom Holland outside of the movie, you know, and he just he acts like Spider-Man. Like he <laughs> acts like his character. And it just works really well. Yeah, that helps. I'm going to go actually with that. Uh, I'm going to go what age is the best and worst. Because uh, I think Tom Holland as a nerd kind of ages poorly, considering he's like this generation star. So seeing him as a nerd in this one, you kind of don't see the nerdiness as much in the later movies. Like not not like, you know, science nerd, but like the, the social outcast kind of nerd. It just, you can't really see it anymore, considering he's, you know, on TV and in interviews every single day. Uh, and then a couple other things that aged bad. The lack of blood. Just like in recent movies in general, like he's beaten down like again and again by Vulture after having a building dropped on him and there's like no blood on him. But like that was such a cool part of, of Tobey Maguire's first movie, like in, in the in that final scene, he's he's beaten, he's bloody, his his mask is ripped, but then he wins and it just makes it more dramatic. You don't see that anymore. And I don't know why. It sucks. A couple more. What age is the worst? <laughs> this is a stupid one. Uh, but the line protesting is patriotic. That probably doesn't age well among uh, Republican fans. Uh, and then another really stupid one. <laughs> Peter Parker, a Gen Zer, calling his new AI friend Karen. I don't think that would happen today. <laughs> I actually did research on the name Karen, like on, on the on the slur, uh, quote unquote slur. I looked it up. Uh, Karen as a slang term became in uh, like began in December 2017. So a few months after this release. And then, according to the Guardian, 2020 was officially the year of the Karen. I kind of thought that, like, I feel like that's always been around, but I guess it's only been the last couple of years. Hmm. Interesting. Was it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have anything that ages poorly? This this movie does age really well. No, I, I, uh, I couldn't really find much that aged poorly, honestly. So you got stuff that ages well, then, right? Well, I literally said this entire trilogy it gets better <laughs> as we see. I said this entire trilogy gets better as we see Peter go through the stages of maturing because it is like each movie is like a new step in what in like becoming a man and becoming a superhero in the yeah. Spider-Man trilogy. And I think that that's awesome. And that makes this movie in particular even age even better as you watch the, the next ones. Yeah, I think. On top, I agree with that 100%. But Spider Man fighting like ground level bad guys like the Vulture, like right away, the next movie we see him in, he's he's in space, he's going cosmic. And it, it looks like he's going to be back like on the on the ground level going forward after uh, No Way Home. But in the comics, that was like his whole thing was, you know, busting uh, bank robbers and, and saving the little guy. So it kind of sucks that we don't see it anymore, but that age is really, really well going back and looking at it. Just kind of wish it happened yeah. more. Yeah, actually, I'm going to. Just jump on to the next question if you're cool with that. And I'm going to say that that, is, that was my biggest missed opportunity. And it, it kind of is extrapolating to the new movies and, you know, yeah, how we fair. see Spider-Man. 
But my missed opportunity with Spider-Man is that we don't see him fight cool, like cool low-level guys, you know? Like there are a lot of really cool Spider-Man villains, Spider-Man villains in particular that are really cool that we just like don't see because he doesn't, he's not your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man anymore. He's your intergalactic Spider-Man. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I said, I don't think that there's really many you could say that are missed opportunities because this was just a really well-developed, well-developed bot. Um, like the modernization, the modern take on Spider-Man into the super science MCU. So I, I, I tried to find a couple and I, I agree with that one, but I think the fact that he's going to be ground level again, like I, that's, if, if he's not after No Way Home, then that'll be a missed opportunity because they're kind of retroactively making him one of those guys. But I, I think that's, I hope that's the direction we're going. You want to do poorly aged CGI? Talk bad a little bit about this movie. <laughs> I couldn't find any poorly aged CGI, honestly. Yeah, so the CGI itself, like the weaponry and, and the, the web slinging and all of that was really, really good. But there were so many issues with the green screen because I know everything's on a green screen, so we just got to kind of accept it. But it's so frustrating when there's like a not CGI scene, but you can just see the entire background is like is, is CGI. Like it looks like wallpaper throughout the entire movie. At the worst, I think, was... Uh, the the Tony and uh, Peter scene when he's saying you know, when he says zip it that that whole scene on the on the rooftop it looks so so bad it looks like I've said this I've made this joke before but it, the background looks like a like a theater stage like a children's theater stage so you have nothing for poorly aged CGI no I guess I didn't uh, I you didn't, didn't notice really... the bad backgrounds no, I, didn't, I didn't notice the bad backgrounds watch that it's i think it's way worse than the spider-man movies because they're you know by sony more than the well, probably, i don't know the split but it's by sony too and maybe they just suck at it more but next time you see a spider-man movie watch the background because it is ugly yeah you probably just ruined it for me <laughs> okay i'm gonna go with uh pick a knit pick a and knit i don't think that you're going to agree with me okay but but part of part of this movie bugs the crap out of me because obviously Tony yells at Peter, right? But Tony yells at Peter and gets angry with him because Peter acted on something that he didn't think was getting acted on. Like that whole situation could have been averted had Tony said, Peter, don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of it. But he said, Peter, don't worry about it. He just basically told Peter, Peter to ignore it. And then later on, when Peter does that same thing, Peter basically didn't change what he's doing. He went on and addressed the situation and then actually won this time and got praised by Tony. So that's, that's my nit. Okay. So I'm going to push back a little because he did say that there are people who are, who handle this kind of stuff. And then Peter says like the Avengers and he says, no, it's a little below the pay grade. And that's the FBI. He was, he was dealing with it. Maybe he could have been a little more open um, about exactly like the, the specs of that, but I don't know. And then at the end, like, yeah, if you, if it's like if a, a, a quarterback makes a bad throw and it's a touchdown, it's like, okay, yep, you're fine. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that was, it just, it just bugged me. Like, like Tony could have just been like, or this is a little below their pay grade, but I'll, I'm going to, I'll pass it along to the FBI and we'll get it figured out. Yeah. Or, okay. in, the, or in the end, he, or in the end, he could have been like, you know, I don't think you shouldn't do any things behind my back without telling me but you did a good job. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, that's a, a nit that, for me. It was my... uh, happy is like he happy sucked in this movie, you know, 
like his whole job was to be to, to be the liaison between Peter and Tony. He's just ignoring him, you know. So I, th- yeah. I think Happy kind of sucks in this movie. Dropped the ball hardcore. Oh yeah, <laughs> the scene where he sees the plane crashing, and you're like, oh man, I screwed up. <laughs> you got more nets? Uh, no, that was my that was just my big one. Okay, I have a lot of nets. I like this movie a lot, but there's there's some nets you can do. Um, the timeline. Why do they mess up the timeline? Because this is supposed to be 2017. From here on, on out, every other movie says that this should be 2017. But at the beginning, they say it's eight years after the Avengers. What are they doing? I don't understand that. I never, I didn't catch that. Yeah, I noticed that the first time. And I was like, so what is the timeline? And then they just like, hey, no, that's wrong. That's Sony's fault. They screwed up. <laughs> um, Tony selling the Avengers Tower. It was set up to be like a big thing but it never came to fruition. Like there's theories that it was like Reed Richards bought it or Osborne or Dr. Doom, but it never happened. And if it happens now, it's like not even that cool. It's been six years, you know? Yeah. A couple more nits. Uh, I wish they had a little bit more on Uncle Ben. Like I get that they didn't just want another origin story. And Amazing Spider-Man went way too deep, like making it like a, a, a sci-fi or not a sci-fi, a, a spy thriller backdrop of his life. But I don't think this one went deep enough. I wish there was a little bit more there. Did they ever even mention him outside of the third movie? No. I don't think I don't think they mentioned him at all in this movie. And I don't think they, they say, in the second movie either. They say something like to Peter said says to Ned something like, uh, she's already been through enough. And that's what made me write that. It's like, yeah, she's been through enough. Her husband died. So can we talk about that? Oh, two things. I got like four more things. <laughs> okay. Uh, I always hate when there's like a laser that shoots through a bunch of walls and then nobody gets hurt. Like, what are the odds of that? <laughs> yeah. You know, like I'm talking about the cruise scene, the cruise ship, I don't know if it's a cruise ship, whatever. The big boat scene. Fairy, yeah, that's a word. It blasts through everything. Nobody gets hit. What What are the odds? That doesn't make yeah. any sense. Um, what are the odds? Well, okay. That's also a nit that I have. Is that thing, that boat, so would have sunk right away. That thing would have sunk like a rock. Like, it's not yeah. going to peel not gonna peel apart like that from the top like that thing i is thought about that too punch the bottom like that thing's going i think it blasted through the top so then all the i don't think any structural stuff down below got hit so they didn't just kind of start the top started falling apart but you but saw the bottom spurt get. up through it yeah that should have been sunk you're right i don't know i don't know boat anatomy very well they went too far they should have just had one random person get killed I'm trying to see the whole boat. Yeah. Um, or maybe just like a person gets hurt. Or, I don't know. I think I think also this is okay. I'm gonna throw this out there as a new net. I think that the uh Washington DC scene, I think that was supposed to be the train stopping scene, you know, it's like similar iconic thing. Um, and then they had to add the ferry to show his failure. But I think they just kind of doubled up on doing on, on trying to make the same vibe of scene, you know. So the the yeah. I didn't, I didn't really like the fairy scene. It wasn't, I don't know. It just kind no, of fell I, flat to me. I, no, I wish they would have just completely changed the way they did that. Yeah, there had to be something of him failing and somebody getting hurt. You know? I, I, I 100% agree. I don't think died because like, this is a very lighthearted movie. So nobody should have died, but somebody should have gotten hurt in some way. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But still, I mean, I, mean I, I 100% agree with you. And I think that that fairy scene was like, they just tried to make it too big. Yeah. Um, there is 0% chance that Ned hits that shot on Chalker's hand with web shooters. That was, yeah, that was actually one of my nits that I had down too. 
yeah. was Ned's accuracy was dumb. And obviously, you know, Peter's accuracy, like that annoys me because it's like, there's no way he's going to hit everything every time. But he's well, that's, I mean, so it's maybe, a superpower. Maybe that's it's part of his superpower. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, that that's what I was saying. Like, like just logically in my head, I'm like, well, that's dumb. But then I'm like, eh, he can write that off as a superpower. Yeah. But it's like Ned, like, come on. Yeah. Come on. Like, hey, I would have hey. picked, I would probably would have picked that thing up, spent five minutes trying to figure out how to shoot it, and then shot myself in the face with it. Yeah, so sick. He probably made point the wrong way, get it up his nose. Um, and then right after that, too, like, did I miss something? Why did he need Flash's car? Like, he swings around. That's kind of Spider-Man's thing, you know? Why do you need to steal the car? I don't know. It would be funny, I guess. I guess, but it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't know. I think they were trying to, like, play off, like, the – in the suburbs, he can't swing off everything because. But he wasn't in the, in the suburbs movie. anymore, right? Where was, was that? That was that was in. Was it the Queens. homecoming? Yeah, they went to school. He went to school in the city. I guess I don't know. I Maybe just think he's like, a little far from. I guess you know he's not surrounded by buildings like if he's in uh, Manhattan or something. So I guess that makes sense. Maybe we can write that off. Wait, did he did he run out of web shooters? I, there was some point where he ran out of web shooters, but I can't remember if it was right before that. Well, I mean, five minutes later, he's got web shooters when he's uh when he's fighting, um, what's his name? Because he was he ran out of web shooters, and then he had to reload them, and that's what Ned did. So he had web shooters. The one he shot was just empty, because you know, ten minutes later, uh, he's, he's climbing onto an airplane with web shooters. True. Uh, and then last night, I hate this trope when either a good guy or bad guy they do something and goes behind the other guy's back, and they're like, "You missed." And the guy, the other guy's like, huh, no, I didn't. And then the building collapses. It's like, okay. Cool. I get it. You're I smart. wasn't trying to hit you. <laughs> yeah. That sucks. And that's all my nits. A lot of little petty nits, because this is a, a good movie. I that's think if there are, are fewer nits in a, in a movie that, that I pick, then that means it's a crappy movie, because there's like two or three big ones. But if there's a lot of of silly ones. I mean, it's a good movie because I couldn't really find like an overarching big plot in it. Just I was like looking for them, you know. Yeah, there's always going to be little tiny things. Yeah, if you're looking but... for them, you can find it's everywhere. Yeah. She Hulk Award for answers to questions that don't need to be asked. Half baked theories. Uh, so Aunt May definitely thinks Peter is gay, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> she was That's, not phased. I'm really. I'm really glad you said that because I actually I didn't write that down, but in my head I was thinking that in the movie, like yeah. while I was watching it, I'm like, like she's got to think he's gay, but yeah. I'm, I I did not expect you to say that, but that that's really funny. But she was just not phased when when she walked in and he was naked with with Ned just hanging out in the room, you know, yeah. and he, she knows there's something going on. I, I think I she I think that's what she thinks it is. Yeah, that's funny. So you fully agree with that? Oh yeah, I I fully like that is that is a question that needs to be asked. Well, that doesn't need to be asked, and I would like to know the answer, but we can't because she's dead. Oh, that made me sad. Do you my, have one? My, Do you have a chuckle word? Yeah, my question is is how do how Spider the first suit that Spider Man gets I think is the coolest suit that he wears, but also how does it? It's so thin. Like you, the first time you see it, see it put it on, it looks like cotton. You know. Yeah. But how does it hold so much, like so much web fluid and a parachute and like all of just the technology? That's a good point. Because they, I mean, the web, the cool part about the web, the web shooters is that it make it expands, you know, when it hits oxygen or something. 
but that doesn't really count for everything else that he has. Like the parachute. The like, he, like, you have yeah. to have, like, basically have a backpack on. And then the next suit he has is the nanotech suit, so that kind of makes sense. But, um, yeah, do you, do you have an answer to that question? No. Oh. Unless it's, like, unless it's his first, Tony's uh, first experiment, uh, nanotech or whatever, but I don't it really have be, an answer to my question. Yeah. He wouldn't be taking the mask off then at that point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Okay, I'm going to go with uh, cheesiest and best fight scene. Okay. So I think the cheesiest fight scene is the bus scene where he's knocking around the buses and then as soon as Spider-Man, like, oh, yeah. gets his wits about him, like, the guy just stops fighting back, apparently. I thought the, that was dumb. The shocker scene? Yeah, the shocker yeah. scene. I thought I put that one too as as the cheesiest. I thought it was really juvenile, especially the ending, how Ned, a non superhero kid, comes to save the day. It, it just gave off like, you know, Super Friends vibes. Like it, it, that scene could have been like completely cut, and nobody would have like cared. Yeah, honestly, I agree. And then I think my favorite fight scene, and it's not as much of a fight scene, but my favorite fight scene is where is the first time we see the Vulture. And yeah. he like picks Tony up, or he, Peter, not Tony. He picks Peter up, and he's flying away. And like he just he they just zoom in on his face, and he just looks at him real quick. I love that. Oh, the the cut down with the scary eyes, yeah. Yes, I love was... it just because I think that that I think that is one of my favorite like supervillain costumes. Yeah, you know? and part of it is just because of that introduction right there. Yeah, I think there was kind of like a definitely the pre MCU and then even a little bit early MCU, like they were scared to do comic accurate costumes. And then they went too far with like, like trying to make it cool, like like the the um, the yellow jacket costume was stupid. And then around this time, they found a way to like modernize, like, comic accurate costumes. Like this one was, it wasn't, it was kind of comic accurate, but it was modernized in a way that like makes sense. You know, same with like Mysterio. Like, so I, I, I really, that costume was amazing. Yeah, it was a good fight scene. I put the last fight scene, definitely, because. Oh, yeah, um, that was good. More because of I like just, the, the raw emotion and the, the inspiration that came from it. The, it's just the full realization of his powers. Not necessarily like, hey, punch, punch, punch fight scene. But I think it was, yeah, I think that was the best fight scene. Yeah, actually, in my notes, I said any scene with the vulture was pretty awesome but <laughs> yeah I, so i i agree that scene was pretty cool yeah i i think with a character like spider-man fights are almost always cool that's probably part of why he's like so insanely popular because he's flexible and strong and hyper agile just fun things to see in fight scenes actually i'm gonna steal from useless trivia real quick in the 90s animated series there was a strict rule where <laughs> spider-man can never punch a single character so he webs them sometimes kicks or grabs or grapples but he cannot punch anybody. And I don't know if it was intentional or they were like pay, paying homage to that movie, but there are zero times where Spider-Man punches anybody in this movie. Really? Yeah. Isn't it interesting? That is really interesting, actually. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. I think uh, I think Spider-Man is always best when he's fighting henchmen just because it's cool to see him like kicking a bunch of random guys. You don't really see that much in this one. So, I mean, there's a lot of like, he's just fun to watch. There's not any like, Wow, that was crazy fight scenes, but no, no bad yeah. ones. Um, and then not this isn't a fight per se, but the scene I just mentioned it the the scene where we find out that Tombs is uh, Liz's dad, and then he finds out that Peter is Spider Man. 
that might be the best single scene in the MCU. Is that overriding it? Yeah, that's definitely over. <laughs> but that, that is, it is a really good scene. Yeah. It is a really good scene. I, it's just, you can't take your eyes away for eight minutes. In terms of that effect, there's not, I don't think there's many that compare with that. I think I cut you off like four points ago. <laughs> Did I cut you off? I'm sorry. Uh, maybe, but I've long passed that thought. Okay. Thoughts stay in my head for about like a millisecond and then they're gone. So. Okay. I'm sorry I cut you off. No, it wasn't important anyways. I'm going to go first Avenger Award for the best one-off character. And that is 100% the Vulture. I oh, mean, yeah. No, no argument. Like, we no don't argument. Have to talk about that. Yeah. Well, you can talk about it. Why is he the best? Uh, everything about him. Just Michael Keaton did a fantastic job. The entire way it was handled, the way it was designed, I think it just could not have been better, honestly. Yeah, because he's playing... Like I, I, I said a cool part of Ego. Ego's another character I really love is that he jumps between terrifying and not I guess he's not really terrifying, but just straight up evil, you know, just evil to like awesome TV dad in, in the blink of an eye. The cool part of Michael Keaton in this is that he is TV dad while he's also terrifying. Like he does them simultaneously. The Yeah, and I I that's just that's what I appreciated about it most is you can see like like he truly cares about his family and that's what he's thinking about first and then it's being a villain doing all these other things i just it was just such it was relatable yeah i'm usually anti like cheesy throwaway lines while a bad guy is like trying to be intimidating but the best one i think that i i I keep i keep going too far and saying like the best one but this was a really good one when he's uh in his full suit flying above peter and he says hey pedro that's like cheesy dad, you know? But then it's yeah. also terrifying. That, that was really, really well done. Just that character was amazing. Michael Keaton killed it. And also, people keep doubting Michael Keaton. 34 years ago, when he was cast as Batman, people were like, oh, he's not, he's not tough enough to be Batman. And they proved him wrong. And then for this, they're like, oh, he's not scary enough to be the vulture. He shouldn't. That's going to be bad. And then he was amazing. Why do people keep doubting him? I don't understand. I don't know. I I can't. I haven't seen many things with Mike Keaton that I don't like. So, or that I, I don't like him. In I'll, I'll, I'll say I'll say that. Yeah, he's always good. Uh, have you seen the founder? The founder? I have not. You need to watch I, that immediately, like tonight. I think it's on Netflix. It's about the founding of uh, McDonald's. It's got a uh, Nick, Nick, Nick Offerman. He's he's in there too. Ron Swanson. Interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of great one-off characters in this movie. Like. Uh, Phineas Mason, he's in in the comics. He's a bad guy named the Tinkerer. Uh, he's really funny, and he, it's a fun adaptation. I like when they make big bad guys and kind of like make them a little bit smaller to fit them in in the MCU. Like the Shocker, also obviously huge Spider Man Rogues Gallery member. Um, I liked Liz. I like that this was the third version of Spider Man, and then the third of his. You know, he's had like four maybe um, main love interests, and this was you know, one of the, the big three. So we expected that to be kind of where we're going. Like, oh, no more MJ, no more Gwen Stacy. We're going with Liz for this franchise. And then she's gone. And then MJ is in, but not Mary Jane. I I, I like that a lot. Yeah. And then uh, Donald Glover. That was really fun because he was, um, I don't know about rumored or he wanted to be, or he was just a fan cast, but he was fan cast as uh, 
Miles Morales about 10 years ago when Miles Morales was first kind of popping on in comics. And he ended up, he obviously ended up not doing that, but then he ended up being uh, Aaron Davis, which if you remember from into the Spider-Verse, Aaron Davis is Miles Morales's criminal uncle that he looks up to. That was Donald Glover? In this one? Yeah. You don't no, remember that? In, no, I, I know he was in this one, but no. in... Uh, Same character. In, what are you confused about? Why can't I think of the words? Into the and, Spider-Verse? Yeah, Into the Spider-Verse. Donald Glover was in that one? No, he was fan cast to be to be Miles Morales. I Didn't probably, you just say he was his uncle? No, he in this one, he was Aaron Davis, who is the same character oh, as oh, the uncle. Oh, I gotcha. I got Makes sense? Yeah. So yeah. he is Aaron Davis, who is Miles Morales' uncle. Miles Morales is not in this franchise, obviously. But he does mention, I got a nephew in this neighborhood. I don't want these guns here. That nephew is Miles Morales. Oh, But Donald Glover was, was pretty good in this one, right? Yeah. Short little bit. I like... Yeah. It was weird seeing him in like a non-comedic type role though. Uh Ragnarok Award for Character Cinematic Peak. I think this is Happy's Valley. This is his worst outing because he just ruins the day. <laughs> the Aunt May complex kind of peaks here because they I mean completely ditched that, you know, hiding Spider-Man from Aunt, Aunt May storyline later. Um, but she appears way more in, in later ones and she peaks when she dies. Um, spoiler alert. I really don't think there's a lot of peaks. Like it's a really lighthearted movie and it's fun seeing all the characters as like true high schoolers because we don't really see that much later. So maybe Ned for that reason, because he was really funny in this role. And then he, as he grew up, it just got less funny. Um, but without like the deep emotional stakes after they're not kids anymore, there's not really, you don't, it just, you don't peak as much, you know? Yeah. And honestly, I, I think just the, this trilogy did a really good job at, developing their Growing characters i would say of all of the the mini tri- or all of all the trilogies or mini series in marvel i, I would say spider-man is 100 percent, in my opinion the best one i think the captain america trilogy i think the three movies are better i mean so far it's got two pantheons and one that's like on the edge of pantheon um, yeah i would i wouldn't agree with putting the winter soldier in the pantheon though really okay I think I've got it as one of my lower ones in there because I, I don't know, whatever. And, but this one, I think if you're talking about as a trilogy, it's the best if that makes sense because they combine together more than any other trilogy, you know? Exactly. Like exactly. Every and other trilogy that- you need in between films, you need, you know, Avengers, you need yada, yada. This one, you can, obviously you need the, the bridge between this one and far from home, but they flow into each other really, really well. Exactly. Like with a little yeah. editing, you can make it into one, one movie. Yeah, and that, that's really what I mean is, like, more than any of the other trilogies, these movies, like, you see more character development, more consistency among the characters. And I just, I really like that about these movies. Yeah. I think uh, the Guardians, Guardians and the Gardens of Galaxy Volume 2, I think that's the best one-two sequel um, because, obviously, it doesn't go anywhere. There's no connection to, the, to any other movies, but there's not a third. So, trilogy-wise, this is, this is it. Do you have anybody that peaks? No, I could. I actually, in my uh, notes, I have IDK LOL. <laughs> so. Yeah, I guess Ned gets it as default because he's probably funniest in this movie uh, compared to his other movies, but he's always good. Um, and then Nerdy Peter kind of peaks because he gets less nerdy later, but he's, he's straight up playing Tobey Maguire in that party scene. 
like that. I, I didn't mention this in the Taika Waititi award, but the, what a great party. That was so funny. The delivery <laughs> on that was killer. I'm going to go with Eternals award for, could this have been a limited series? Um, I don't think this movie could have been a limited series. Well, it, it could have been, I think it's better as a movie. Um, but that it could have been a part of a really cool limited series. I think if you had a Spider-Man limited series and across those limited series were just random episodes of him fighting different friendly neighborhood villains, then it could have been a part of it. I don't think it would have, it, it would have had to be changed a lot, but I think it, it's better as a movie. I think way. it, Hundred percent could have been because the low stakes are 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 it for me, and the fact that it's so removed from the the main storyline, and you do have Tony Stark, but it's kind of like more of a like a, a roadie in the in Falcon Winter Soldier, which kind of popping in once in a while, you know. Um, it almost feels like an extended cameo, really. It, it's just such a swerve from the main storyline, like in tone, and of course, plot wise too. Um, so I think it really like I almost think it would have been if it came out now. I think oh, the I only thing that. I think go ahead because I think we might be making the same point so you go ahead no I'll, I'll, I was just gonna say I think um when you have a limited series you have to have several medium plots right like in this movie we've got some small plots and obviously one or two large um plots but I, I think it doesn't have enough of those like things that you could really branch off and make different episodes about and make them really interesting yeah I think the it, this movie would be like the last four episodes. Um, like it would start at the beginning and then there'd be a couple episodes of filler of him fighting, you know, small crime. But it changes settings pretty consistently too. And that could be like, you know, a new episode in DC in Maryland and then a new episode in Final Battle. Yeah, so you'd true. have to that's add, a, like anytime we're talking about if you're going to make a movie into a limited series, you got to add a few scenes. But I think the the, the crux of it could still could been. I think the only thing that ma- that makes that the wrong opinion that it cannot be a limited series is that it's Spider-Man and Spider-Man is a guaranteed blockbuster. Right. So yeah, there's no yeah. way they would have made this limited series and, and not had, you know, swarms of people coming out for it. Yeah. It would have been cool. I mean, they probably, I'm sure they could have made it into a limited series, like you said, um, but they would have had to add some other aspects of the storyline, like some bigger, bigger things to it. Yeah. If anything, they would have had, this go along with a limited series like kind of like a limited series prelude or or, or sequel before infinity war just for more spider-man content which i actually originally had as missed opportunity but i took it away just a little more high school spider-man content captain marvel award for the character that inexplicably didn't help save the world it's obviously iron man because he didn't help in the final fight but that's kind of spider-man's fault because he kept Colin happy and and you know he lost his right to talk to Tony, but then it's also kind of Happy's fault. So I think I'm blaming oh, it's Happy. So Happy's fault. So we're blaming so Happy. Happy. Okay, because yeah. I mean that's literally why he's in. That's his job. He's the liaison between Spider Man and Iron Man. Um, so there's a little bit boy who cried wolf aspect, but he's 15. What do you expect? You know, you're the most yeah. famous man in the world. So there's a little blame you can put on Tony. I put about 30 percent on Spider Man. 65% on happy and 5% on Tony. Do you like those uh, percentages? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to go. I, it's all happy's fault, man. I mean, <laughs> you're a, fi- you're a 15, you're a 15 year old kid who just got superpowers and just got, and just met like 
the most famous man in the world, you know? And he met, I mean, he met Captain America. He met everybody in, in Germany a couple weeks ago. You, you, you can't blame him for trying to keep in touch, you know? Yeah. It was, if Happy, if Happy would have just like, you know, once a week, once a month, just touched base with him and instead of just simply ignoring him the whole time, maybe that, maybe things could have been different. All Happy's fault. Yeah. And actually, you know what? I It's way more than 60% because Ned called him in the last bit and then he hung up on him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah so it, it's all happy. You're right. Do you have anybody else? Because I, I don't know who else could be the answer except for uh, Iron no, Man here, I, which is Happy's fault. No, I I actually had Happy. This yeah. So I'm gonna go with the to wrap it up the Age of Ultron award for this is way cooler after uh the next what is it five movies yeah whatever um I'm gonna say Tony's yeah Tony's relationship because I think in this movie is where we really see him start to kind of get himself together and put others, you know, first. And we kind of see him slowly become more of a family man. And uh, he he finds ways to cope with his his depression and anxiety that we've seen in other movies. And he kind of does that by putting some trust and in other people. And obviously we see him off screen, obviously proposed to pepper at the end of the movie. But I, I think that was really cool because we see that, develop more and even into uh the the next few avengers movies where he's like you know truly a family man at that point he still is he still is good old self but he's he's more focused on his family than he is just on his own needs yeah 100 percent. that's a good one i want even more specific uh the the line that's not a hug we're not there yet i mean two years later you're crying when they when they hug in in the final battle right yeah 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 and then the, uh, I think the MJ relationship is really fun to look back on because that's just how high school relationships are. Like you wouldn't know because you found the girl you married when you were 13 years old. Um, but like, you know, it's it's a fast infatuation and then being obsessed without really knowing somebody. And then it changes on a whim, you know? And then yeah. they then they end up having that like real, true, genuine relationship later. But like here it's, you know, it's all Liz and then MJ is just kind of there, you know? And then yeah. as soon as the next one starts, all MJ. Yeah, I, I would agree. It's a good one. Nothing to say. Cool. It's time for buh, buh, buh. useless trivia. Kenneth Choi plays uh, the principal in this one. And then Kenneth Choi also played Jim Morita in uh, First Avenger, one of Captain America's Howling Commandos. And then there's a picture of Jim Morita on, on the principal's desk and playing that they're related. That's kind of cool. Uh, I said this, Aaron Davis is Miles Morales' uncle, and Donald Glover was uh, fan cast as Miles, Miles a decade earlier. He mentions his, his nephew in this one. Uh, Paul Bettany, he plays Jarvis, of course, and then later Vision. But his wife, Jennifer Connelly, plays Karen. Interesting. Uh, and then she also played Betty Ross in 2003's Hulk. Uh, Peter's costume was based off of Ben Riley's in the comics. He was a, a clone in that crappy 90s run. Uh, I said this, that he, he never punched anybody the entire movie. That's uh, based off the animated series rule. This was supposed to be based around like the, the, the Brat Pack era of coming of age movies, you know, the John Hughes movies. And uh, John Watts, the director of this movie, kind of poked fun at that by having him like run by Ferris Bueller's day off playing on TV. I thought that was kind of a funny little uh, Easter egg or whatever. And then May's license plate is AFM. One five six two. Spider Man's first appearance was an amazing fantasy 
number 15 from 1962. So same, same numbers. That's kind of cool. Uh, a couple more photos of in-universe scientists like uh, Erskine and Bruce Banner and Howard Stark. They can be seen all across Peter's school. And then Mark Hamill turned on the role of the vulture. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, the last one I thought was kind of cool. Well, do you think he'd be good as Vulture? Better or worse? The same? He would not have been as good. I think Michael Keaton is perfect for it. Honestly. Yeah, I think I think he would have looked too old, too. Like, they're probably about the same age, but Keaton just looks a little bit younger, you know? Now, can you skip Spider-Man Homecoming in your MCU rewatch? You go first. Uh, Yes. You yes. don't. I mean, it, yeah. If we're talking about, do you need this movie to watch any other movie? Yeah. No, when when Secret Rewards is coming out in three years, and we're showing all the movies to a little Sophie, um, are we gonna be showing her Spider Man Homecoming? Or are we gonna be cutting it for time? Well, we'd be we'd be say, saying, "Hey, Sophie, this is a really good movie. You should watch it." But <laughs> no. Yeah. No, we'd be skipping it. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really add anything to the main plot. It's it's like kind of a replacement for a standalone introductory movie, but you can really go from Civil War to Infinity War, and like there's you don't miss a single thing. I think this is probably the most skippable, and for that reason, in the entire series, like I can't think of another one that you can just kind of take out and miss nothing. Actually, you know what? You miss one thing. You miss the fact that Tony and Pepper are back together. That's it. True. True. Because they were broken up in Civil War, and then in Infinity War, they're talking about getting married. So that's the one thing you miss. Yep. Yep. Now, yep. the big question, though, where does it rank? The whole reason I did this stupid podcast. We got four levels, Pantheon, Awesome, and Dig It, and Skippable. Skippable just means it sucks. You have Skippable, right? Uh, I know. Oh, okay. Crazy. Where do you have it? I have it. I don't know. I was back and forth between awesome and dig it. I, I think I have it in awesome. Wow. I thought you were going to have it higher and I was going to have to argue it down. So I think we, we both landed at a similar, similar spot. What, what kept it out of dig it? Actually, you know what, what's, the, what's the argument for putting it in dig it? Cause that, that shocked me that you just said that. Well, it was, if I'm sitting down to watch a Marvel movie, it, I, I would say it's probably about middle of the pack. Yeah. Or, how much I like the movie and like its importance and all like its importance does play a role, you know, I think for me anyways, but I think it would, if it, I probably wouldn't put it in dig it, but if I would, it would be like the very top. Yeah. But I, okay. But I, I don't know. Like, it's just, I'm arguing myself out of putting, putting it in dig it just by thinking about it. And I, I would definitely put it in awesome just because I like the fact that it's low stakes. Oh yeah. That it's just, it's, it's very nice to have low stakes movies. I absolutely love the villain. I love oh, yeah. the character. I love the character development that we see in Tony. And I love how this leads to more character development in Peter throughout other movies. So yeah, it's a funny movie. So yeah, definitely awesome for me. I mean, it's a really fun movie. It like semi blows you away when you first see it, not because of like the magnitude or the fights, but just the way it portrayed something that was totally different and that it was the most comic accurate version of Spider-Man that we've ever seen, who's such a different character than every other character in, in Marvel and definitely the MCU. Like he's not some unrealistic nerd or some social outcast. He's just a normal dorky kid with realistic crushes and realistic struggles. 
Um, I don't think he can be put in the Pantheon just because it's it's kind of skippable uh, and it's a low-level movie and it just doesn't affect the larger universe. But it gave us some of our favorite bad guys in a really good low-stakes movie. And I think the fact that it was low-stakes made it really good, but the fact that it was low-stakes means that its ceiling is kind of it's kind of low, you know? It can't get too high because the stakes are so low. But that, that's also why we love it. I, I agree with you on that. And I, I think the twist scene, the tomb's twist scene, almost makes, it, makes me put it in the Pantheon. Um, but ultimately, it barely misses the cut. So I've got it in awesome. So my rankings so far. In the Pantheon, I've got Avengers, Iron Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, The Winter Soldier, and Civil War. Uh, awesome. I've got the first Avenger, Homecoming, and Age of Ultron. So Homecoming is right between Captain America, the first Avenger, and Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, dig it. We got Iron Man 3, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, Guardians 2, and Thor. And then Skippable, Iron Man 2, Dark World, and the lowly Incredible Hulk. Guys, thanks again for listening to The Wrong Opinion MCU Rewatch. We'll be back next week with Ricky Z talking about a movie the two of us have talked a lot about in our prior podcasts, Thor Ragnarok. As always, check out my writing at STArtFacts. That's S-T-A-R-T-E-Facts.com. Until next week, peace out.